Well, hello. Our guests today are responsible for the inner operations of the People's Housing Project, a grassroots organization that provides emergency shelters and support to homeless camps in Portland. We spent the better part of this episode discussing the overwhelming issue that is plaguing Portland, Oregon, and the possible solutions to create a better city. Here are my friends, Brian, Kim, and Zave Forster. We got to start with this situation in the the city that we live and the growing concern over is homeless the right word home homelessness so homeless houselessness i heard you say that earlier sorry go ahead you know i'll be honest i'm not i've heard houseless is preferred for some folks because there's an idea that like it kind of reinforces that houses people don't have homes when that's what like their tents are. And that's what makes when the city comes in and destroys people's tents, they're not just tents. There's people, those are their homes. Okay. That's like the most amount of privacy and security that they have. Um, so it depends person to person, but that's like what I've heard around at least part of like the houseless versus homeless debate. Okay. Yeah. And that's like, and the whole idea behind that is it's like houseless people. It's like to destigmatize the fact that they are living on the streets. It is to destigmatize the fact that they don't have like a private space to dwell. And it's the recognition that to different people, different spaces are homes because it's like, there are people in apartments who like, you know, it's like you don't own that home. Like I don't, like I live in a house, but like we're renters, you know what I mean? We're not homeowners. Like, okay. and it's like, we are housed, but we are not really like in a home that we own on land that we own. You For know sure. what I mean? For sure. So yeah. And I've also met like homeless, like we, we met that homeless gentleman who was like, I would rather be referred to as homeless because like, I don't like the, the the kind of churched up language of houseless. Like I'm homeless. That's what the fuck is going on here. Yeah. And I think for him, it was about like the direct rawness of using the word homeless and like not shying away from all the implications of how hard that is. And okay. like, I respect that. So it's like when people, you know, if a person comes up to me and says, man, call me homeless. This is how you don't, don't do houseless. I'm not going to be like, well, let me explain to you. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's part of the problem in my opinion, um, in a lot of areas, but especially in Portland, I feel like there's a, there's too much concern with what something could be called instead of just like dealing with what it is. So all of that aside, there's a significant issue in Portland right now. 100%. With people who for, I'm sure we'll get into, for, for a number of reasons why they can't afford a place to rent mm -hmm. or why they ended up on the streets or whatever. There is a dramatic issue that is so serious right now Regular people are talking about it. Yep. And I think it was an issue for a long time. Yep. But because of COVID and because of, you know, everything that happened um, with um, Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, the riots, like people losing jobs, like everything just compounded upon everything. And now you just have people who don't have a home, mm -hmm. air quotes, that they're living in tents on the side of the freeway. Um it's not good for them. It's not good for us. It's it's not good for anybody. It is not good for anybody. It's not no, a good situation. It's uh, not. So what, what are you guys doing about that? Yeah. So I think that's a really – so 
Yeah. So to answer your question, um, what we're doing about it is we have started a group, a grassroots organization called the People's Housing Project. We give emergency shelters to houseless folks where they're at, um, whether that is public or private land. Um, and that's really important to keep in mind because when you like, just a minute ago, I want to go back to what you said about like people who don't have a home, right? Okay. And like our perspective at PHP is that like houselessness as a systematic issue is caused by capitalism. It is caused by the private property and for-profit system applied to housing, right? Because the reality is that what, what we mean when we say these people don't have a home mm -hmm. is they don't have private property that okay. they can afford to be in. Okay. They don't have somewhere private to be. So they have to live if like, and in a private property system, um, if you can't afford things, you don't get them. And so if you don't have a private space to be, that means by definition in a capitalist society, you have to fucking live in public. Yeah. And everybody's like, well, why are all these people in public? And it's like, cool, because they have nowhere private to go. Sure. If they could afford somewhere private to be, they would be there. Like, I promise the people living in those rat infested RVs, man, if they had like, it's what I want to tell people. It's like, why are they there? It's like, well, like. Sue, like if they had somewhere to be, if they had somewhere better and healthier and cleaner to be, don't you think they would be there? Like if you had somewhere, like why would you be there? And it's yeah. like, because you had nowhere else to go. Okay. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend to um, be on either side. I'm just trying to be like a rational in between. Yeah. And figure out what's going on. And figure out what's going on. Yeah. But if I were somebody that was vehemently opposed to what's going on, they mm -hmm. would say, why don't these fucking bums just get a job? Mm -hmm. Why can't they just get a job like all the rest of us? And then yeah. they make money and then they can afford a house. Mm -hmm. So what's what, what do you say to that? What do I say to that? I mean, I think that's a really... So one, I think there are several responses. One is that like... It is a it is interesting to me that we live in a society that calls itself a Christian society but doesn't believe in the fundamental tenets that the man himself taught which is he where he said that that which you like have given to the least of my children you have given to me. He said blessed are the poor. And these people forget that he also said like he said blessed unto the poor are the poor but he also said woe unto the rich for they've already had their only reward. So one, I find it to be profoundly morally sad that people don't believe that shelter is a human right because as a nation, as the United Nations Declaration on Human Rights, we've declared shelter and food and healthcare to be fucking fundamental human rights. And the United States is the only developed industrialized country in the so-called civilized Western world that doesn't offer universal healthcare as a basic human right. And to ask like why these people can't just get jobs, it's like for most people don't know that 48% of houseless people have some form of mental health issue, whether that's post-traumatic stress, whether that's substance abuse disorder, like most of these people are houseless because they are simply not functional enough to maintain the kind of economic income that is required to keep housing, especially in a gentrifying city with politicians bought and paid for by fucking developers and development companies who would rather gentrify and build two-story like postmodern boxes charging $2,100 for a studio apartment than build public 
public housing in a city where 70% of people, according to the most recent, um, there's a poll two weeks ago from the Oregon Center for Beliefs and Values that found that 70% uh, of people in Multnomah County believe that homelessness is, should be our politicians' number one priority. 70%? 70%. And it is they do not act like it. Yeah. I don't know uh, if you have any thoughts, Dave. Yeah, you um, want anything? Yeah, I feel like Brian did a really good job explaining like the bigger concepts that are play here. And in terms of like a little bit more specific logistics, like why don't you just get a job? Well, like in order to get a job, you have to have an ID. And it is, we have like tried to get people IDs and like all of our entire team trying to get IDs, we still aren't able to do it. This is really well, difficult. Yeah, you need a birth certificate, right? You yep. need a birth certificate. You need some other form of ID. You need potentially a social security number. Like there's so many things that go into play that it's like a catch-22. You need an ID to get an ID. Yeah. Yep. And the fact of the matter is, and like that's why it's like when we're talking about the devastation that these sweeps cause and the mm -hmm. damage that they do, like, because these same people who will say, well, why don't they just get a job are also like, I want the police to go fucking clean them up. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that happens in these sweeps when you destroy people's homes is you destroy their vital documents. Like one of the people that we work with is a veteran who doesn't have his fucking DD-214 because it was destroyed in a sweep. Like, and those... What is that? DD what? DD-214. It's the discharge form you get from the military that's basically like your piece of paper certifying that you were in the military, uh, that if you were honorably discharged, that you are entitled to benefits. And it's like, if you want to get fucking anything through the Veterans Administration, it's like you have to have your DD-214. Okay. And it is one of the documents, like along with their health records, along with their social security numbers, along with their birth certificates, along with their alternative forms of ID that are destroyed in these sweeps. And the sad part is it's not just their personal property that they've had that's being destroyed that they need in order to re-engage with society. A lot of the things that are destroyed are city-given resources like tents and sleeping bags where the city will pay for these things to be fucking handed out and then they will pay the cops to go sweep and clean them and destroy them out of camps and it's such a waste of money and that look on your face is the look that every person in Portland who wants there to be a sane and rational solution to this should fucking have on their face the city hands out tents and sleeping bags yeah I did yeah. not know that yeah no, they yeah, you know, they try to admit like there are places where and they like funnel they will funnel it through private public partnerships with nonprofits and stuff, but they funnel resources to people on the ground. Like there's a woman that Mimi works with who's like our tent and so, like sleeping bag person who like gets them from the city through some grant or through some program that she works through. Hmm. Like these things are available and then they're handed out and then destroyed all with city money and it is absolutely inhumane and completely impedes the progress that these folks want to see. Because like, and like to go back to what you were saying about like the practicals of like houselessness, right? Like these same people who are like, get a job, don't want to pay for mobile showers and mobile laundry. And like, have you ever showed up to a job interview with like, you know, like pants you hadn't washed in a month? Yeah. You know, like have like, because I bet if you try, bro, like you're not going to get the fucking job. Yeah. And no, then you're not. like, I don't have an ID or a birth certificate, but I promise I'm American. Can't you tell? Because I speak good at like... Mm -hmm. and I think, Sorry, yeah, continue. Oh, no, you're all good. I, great points. And I feel like something else I wrote here is I feel like kind of connecting to narrative. I feel like there's an idea in people's head of like who houseless are. You know, like it's kind of like, oh, like I feel like people are picturing maybe like 45-year-old white men. And it's like they're like 14-year-olds. Like there's a really high rate of houseless queer youth who get thrown out of their homes. And so when we talk about houselessness, why don't you get a job and all this? It's like, well, there's a lot of different types of people out here. Absolutely. 
And like that doesn't really apply. Like a lot of houselessness is queer youth. A lot is like people of color, a lot of people with like neurodivergent and mental illness. As Brian was saying, 48%, like you can't just go get a job. You need help and you need a transitional program to like integrate you with where your needs are at. Yeah. Like one of my friends like has schizoaffective disorder where he like fucking hears voices in his head and he got arrested driving a car 100 miles an hour down the freeway, like trying to cast a spell at warlocks in the CIA. And it's like if he didn't have. Yeah, man, it's like if he didn't have fucking family to live with, like he is the kind of person who is not in that state without medication. He's not going to be able to fucking hold down a job. And like to sit here and be like, get a job at somebody who's actively mentally ill. It's like shouting at somebody with a broken leg. It's like, why don't you just fucking get up and get a job? How come you aren't working construction? And it's like, well, maybe when my leg is healed, I would I would be able to. But then our society doesn't want to pay for things like fucking casts for your leg or therapy and me- and 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 medicine for your for your mental health. Yeah, the disappointing part to me is that I don't think the people in that environment want to be there. Mm-mm. Most of the vast majority do not. No, you guys don't want them to be there. I don't want them to be there. Anybody driving on 84 to go to work downtown doesn't want them. No, this is bad for everybody. Mm-hmm. And it seems like no one can figure out how to fix it. And anytime I, I'm not that tapped into it, but anytime I see something on the internet, uh, KTU or like any local news organization, anytime it gets brought up, it's like somebody proposes something and then someone else says no. Mm-hmm. And then nothing happens. It's like, of people in this area want something to happen. No one will actually do anything about it. Yeah, exactly. And that is – and it's because our politicians are limited. So like one of the things about capitalist politics, right, and like the way that ideology really works is like ideology isn't just the things that you believe. Ideology is also the constraints of the acceptable possibilities. And one of the simple – like – in the like right now, for example, in the United States, there are 29 empty dwelling units per homeless person. 29 vacant apartments, houses, or like dwelling units that people could live in that are up on the market right now. So if the government, like instead of spending $870 billion a year bombing brown kids in Syria and Jordan and Somalia and on and on and on, if we spent even a fraction of that money purchasing or, you know, using our military to seize even one of those 29 empty dwelling units for the houseless people, those capitalists would still have 28 empty dwelling units. Like, we don't have a housing shortage. We have unequal and inequitable distribution. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is, like, because our politicians are more beholden to homeowners, landlords, and developers than they are to houseless people or their advocates, they don't propose solutions like, well, hey, we just need to build free public housing for everybody, whether they can afford it or not. It's the same reason that, like, where does the opposition to universal health care come from when more than two-thirds of people in America believe that we should have a single-payer option? It comes from the shareholders at Kaiser who stand to lose. It comes from the shareholders at du- uh, uh, DuPont. And um, uh, uh, Pfizer and 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 Blue Cross Blue Shield. It comes from the class. Mm-hmm. 
politic, political choices and opinions are mo like you can solve a lot of problems by looking to the class interest of the people behind our politicians. And it's like, who stands to gain from this? And it's like, who stands to gain from apartments being studio apartments in fucking Southeast being $2,100? <laughs> it's not you and me. No. It's the people who own them. Mm -hmm. Like the, the profiteers off of land that is like fundamentally stolen. And like acquired at gun, like literally every inch of this fucking land on this country is acquired at gunpoint at some point in its history. And what we're doing up on public land at Jason Barnes Landing is with nonviolent force saying, okay, you took this by force and now we're going to take it back. Mm -hmm. And we're going to house people that you have driven into the public onto public land that you have left as like empty waste grounds. And like when there's human beings in need, like... Why should your property laws over fucking trespassing trump the need of people to live somewhere when they have nowhere to live? It would be one thing if there were like 28 empty shelter beds per homeless person in America. But that's not how it is. There's like there are more than there are one bed per four homeless people in Portland. It's fucked. Okay, so explain to me, because in my mind, and I don't know anything about this, and that's why you're here is to explain it to me. In my mind, it seems like some altruistic, very rich person, let's say Elon, builds a massive hotel or whatever, Yeah, some sort of structure, and then you can bring all those people in. Yeah, Andrew Carnegie did that when he was dead. You're going to have to wait for one of these fuckers to die before that's going to happen. Is that a solution, though? No. Do you, do you want, and I don't mean no disrespect here, yeah. do you want 5,000 people where 48% have mental illness mm -hmm. in one building? Is that a solution? Yeah, I'm going to take this one as a Jewish person. Like, absolutely not. We don't do concentration camps. And that is like something that the city proposed a few months ago. The okay. mayor and the mayor's office was like, yeah, how about we just throw 1,000 people into like a giant shelter that's staffed by the National Guard? Yeah. And we like wrote a piece, like Mimi, one of our co-founders and I are both Jewish. And was like, cool, no. <laughs> like. Okay. And that's part of what you're touching on is like, yeah, if we have these high rates of like mental illness, I mean, that's just sounds like asylums all over again. Well, and, and you would need an insane amount of medical doctors. Money, resources, social workers. And it's like the the and like. Exactly. And that goes back to the broken incentives in our system. Like uh, there's a gentleman from the Green Party who's running for L.A. Comptroller who just released this data. Um, it's like the city accountant, basically. And he released this data where it's like, so the starting salary for a social worker. So the require the educational requirements for a starting social worker employed by Los Angeles County is uh, $60,000. And you have to have a fucking master's in social work. The starting salary for the average LAPD and uh, Los Angeles Sheriff's Office is 110K and you need a high school diploma. So these are our incentives is like when you have that kind of incentive structure, what do you what kind of outcomes do you think your system's going to produce? Mm -hmm. Of course, we're going to have a shortage of fucking social workers. And of course, we're going to have an excess of pigs like mm -hmm. and the only way out of that problem is 
building people, it's twofold. It's like one, we have to fundamentally change our political system by getting beyond capitalist funded campaigns because as long as our mayor and city councilors are primarily funded by landlords and the police union, they are not going to take care of the average person on the ground. And the only way to get that kind of power is to build independent resistance movements that are teaching people ways that they can resist capitalism and the state directly. And it's like right now, like, you know, we're using and like that's the important of nonviolence as a tactic is it's like something, especially when there's need, like the fact that they've criminalized fucking charity. In what way? So sheltering people on public land and like like more explicitly on where is that town? There's that town on the coast. Yeah, I don't remember. It's like Newburgh or something. Saint but... Tim, yeah, there's a church out in uh, on a coastal Oregon town where they have banned the public feeding of homeless people. And the church, like in public parks, because it's like a public nuisance and a health violation. And the church has decided to defy the ban under, and they're suing the city under their religious freedom because it's like our Christian faith tells us to minister to those in need, and these people are in need, and this law's fucked up. And how many homeless people are there in Newburgh? A couple hundred. It's like they have a. I can look it up. It's a couple. Yeah, I mean the the number's not super important. Um, that's just yeah. interesting. Um. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about wages, too, it makes me think of um, teachers. Like, what's mm-hmm. the incentive to be a teacher? Your, your job is, like, one of the most important jobs for a human ever. You're supposed to mm-hmm. teach the youth and and raise them up and give them knowledge and teach them how to be a good person. And you can make anywhere from 40 to 60 a year. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, what? Wh- why would anybody want to do that? Yeah. Why would anybody want to be a social worker when you could be a cop? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like because some people really love it and that's – but the problem is that's like – that's the whole thing about structuralism is that it doesn't produce 100 percent of outcomes. It just sways the percentages enough to produce overall societal outcomes. Like there will always be people who want to teach no matter how fucking shitty it gets because some people are genuinely called to that. Mm-hmm. Just like some people would go be cops no matter how shitty it paid because they feel genuinely called to that. But at the same time, if our incentives were reversed, a lot more people would be social workers than cops. And well, it's, a, it's a problem of systems and that's mm-hmm. – there's no way out. But yeah, okay. it's, Brook, it's Brookings, Oregon. Uh, the Episcopal Diocese filed a federal lawsuit asking a court in Oregon to declare the city council's new limitations invalid, claiming they infringe on the church's constitutional right to free expression. They come after dozens of residents complained last year that vagrants living in or congregating around the church had caused problems in the community. The church alleges the residents pressured the city government to significantly limit the help it provides to the community, which conflicts with the deeply held religious beliefs of St. Timothy's congregants. It is a target and interfere with their congregation's free expression of their Christian faith, which calls them to serve others in need. So like we are at a point where homelessness has reached such a contradiction in some places that they're trying to stop churches from feeding people. And that will come here to Portland, and that is why they go and sweep. That's like what the mayor's emergency orders are. He's not moving people from by the roadways for their own fucking safety. He's expanding the power of the city to sweep people. Well, I I don't know that much about him either, but in my opinion, what happened is things went a certain way for a long time, and everybody just kind of was like, oh, maybe it'll get better. We'll just kind of let it go. And then it just got worse and worse mm-hmm. and worse. And now, uh, I believe 2021, we had the most homicides 
in Portland that we've had mm-hmm. in like 30 years. Mm-hmm. So crime is up dramatically. Downtown's fucked up. Everything's boarded up. Um, there is a lot of trouble all yeah. over the place. People don't want a vacation here anymore. People don't want to go downtown and do business. I feel, like, I feel like, I'll be honest and tell you, like as somebody who fundraises in this city and like stands out in public and talks to strangers like and like has been doing this for four years and has like an accurate grasp of pre-pandemic and post-pandemic foot traffic flows, mm. that's all business alliance propaganda bullshit. Like mm. visitors mm. from out of town may be down. Downtown itself is popping. The farmer's market is popping. Mississippi Street is popping. Things are like, different. Like, Things are different. I work downtown all the time. Things you have think gotten, so? Uh, yeah. Things have gotten gradually worse. Like and I'm, I'm not trying to say mm. that any specific community is responsible for it. I'm mm. not trying to say the homeless mm-hmm. or houselessness population is responsible for it. But downtown is different. Mm-hmm. I used to work down there all the time. I used to go to a number of different venues to to set up shows. Like I was saying earlier, uh, sound, lighting, mm-hmm. projection, all that kind of stuff. We used to be down there all the time. Mm-hmm. People don't hold events down there anymore. Mm-hmm. It's finally so those, so those same people hold events in other spaces and other parts of the city, or are they just not holding events because of the pandemic? Because I think there's a lot of factors that go that, into that was, that was part of it for sure. A lot, I, I don't know a venue owner like we we have some great partners over at the Alberta Abbey who are mm-hmm. doing some great work with us, mm-hmm. but like and they're struggling. It's like I don't know a single venue that's not struggling, you know, other it's, than the Moda Center, but they're the Moda Center is probably struggling right, too for, yeah. for whatever that means for Monopoly. It capital. just started. <laughs> it just started coming back. And I think things are going to change a little bit, depending on what happens, you know, mm, sure. uh, moving forward. But it's been a rough couple of years. Sure, I would, uh, yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that. It's been yeah, a rough well, it's couple all... years for a lot of people. And so what, what I want to ask is if you had unlimited money, unlimited resources, and Ted Wheeler or Elon or Jesus said, do the thing and figure it out. What is the solution? What what could you do? What could I do? What could everybody do to make this thing better? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I mean, we really believe in like transitional programs. So the first question is like, where are we at right now? What are the material reality? Where We wake up tomorrow. We have all the money. Where are we right now? Not where do we want to be? Where should we be? Where are we? Okay. And from there, you make a plan like, okay, well, we're here with homelessness. We want to get to a point of no houselessness. Like you have to have transitional plans to get there. And so part of our work is like getting camps that are functional, you know, like there's already camps that are all over Portland. What they need are support services. And I'd say places where they receive those like Hazelnut Grove and Dignity Village, they do great. Yeah. There's like already, like you can point to a bunch of different examples of like houseless run transitional villages. There's C3PO, there's R2D2, there's Hazelnut Grove, et cetera. Um, So that is one part is like meet people where they're at right now. I think the next part is like there is no solution to houselessness without housing people. You know, and as we're saying, there's like 29 empty units nationwide for every one houseless person. Like what we need to do is like begin to get people into housing. We need to make sure that everyone has like a social worker and a community advocate who's being compensated well. You know, Portland Police Bureau now has a $25,000 sign-on bonus, and yet there's no $25,000 sign-on bonus for social workers. You know, people, we need, like, a lot of help to transition. And it's it's an integrated program. Like, this is not going to be a cheap fix. And, like, every day that it goes by, people accumulate more and more trauma, and the problem gets more and more expensive, right? Like, 
Zave is 100% right. Like the only approach that is proven to reduce rates of homelessness anywhere in the world is a housing first approach where you provide people with shelter, a door they can lock somewhere safe to sleep and support services like addiction, mental and physical health, along with government caseworkers to get these people like these folks like reintegrated into society. And it's not a cheap process, but like, you know, what's not cheap spending six million fucking dollars a year on increased sweeps that are only going to make mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. An actual solution, more expensive as we continue to well, destroy their yeah, shit. You when, know? When, they, when these people get sweeped and yeah. all their stuff gets thrown away, where do they take them? Sometimes they're arrested. It depends on how much trouble they cause while the cops are sweeping their stuff. Sometimes they just destroy their shit in front of them. And then they're like, find a new spot. Yeah, go somewhere else. You can't be here. Yeah, that's not a solution. No, and then they just move up the road, man. It's like like one of the we two of the people that we've given shelters to up at Jason Barnes Landing are we were talking to them what two weeks ago, and Pat and Choice were both like, yeah, no, man, we've been swept up like over the last four years, man. We've lived everywhere up and down this two mile stretch, mm -hmm. and it's like they come smash our stuff, we move half a mile up, we live there for a couple months, they come smash our stuff, we move a couple other miles up. Like, can't tell you how many like tents the cops have destroyed, you know, and it's like. What is the point of that other than to brutalize and traumatize people on the street to like punish them for already being homeless? Like, isn't yeah. that isn't it fucking hard enough without having your belongings destroyed, without being chased from place to place like mm -hmm. an animal who doesn't belong? Yeah. Like, fuck that. Like, and it's like the real talk is like. If somebody showed up with all the money and power, like the people who have the kind of money and power to just show up tomorrow and fix the problem are not gonna because they profit off the problem being this bat. Mm -hmm. And what we really need to do is build collective power. So when you're like, what can I do? What can people do? It's like as a grassroots, like one, it's back grassroots organizations, not capitalist politicians and nonprofits. And what grassroots means is not funded by the government, not funded by corporations, not funded by big foundations, funded by individual donations from people, because that's what keeps organizations accountable to people. Okay. Like, and as like what every grassroots organization needs is money and labor. So like we don't take corporate or government money, but like we have about 80 or 90 people who are pitching in monthly to the point that we have $2,500 in monthly donations coming in every single month to like do this work. And that is power because it only takes 100 people pitching in 25, 30 bucks for it to add up really fast. What if Walmart was like, hey, we're going to give you a billion dollars? Yeah. Any money that Walmart gives you comes with strings attached and it comes with <laughs> being able to say things like, if Walmart gave me a billion dollars to do this work, I can't come on here and say things like, hey, Walmart, like you should let your fucking workers unionize. Like it is disgusting <laughs> yeah. the yeah. way that they union bust, yeah. the fact that they take advantage of like international like human rights violations in order to charge people pennies on the dollar like even in in foreign countries producing these goods for cheap like Walmart's contribution to environmental degradation is a massive fucking problem and it's like if you have you ever read a book called um the revolution will not be funded it is an amazing book and anybody who wants to like get serious about making change in America should really check it out but it's basically like it's a series of essays on what's called the nonprofit industrial complex and the way that these like corporate funded nonprofits are fundamentally limited in their scope by corporate donations because the fact that you can't 
if you take money from the city, you can't come on here and say things like Ted Wheeler's a piece of shit, the police are pigs, the point of the police is to oppress and brutalize people. Mm -hmm. They're going to yank your funding. Mm -hmm. And the only way you can do that with integrity is if you have enough grassroots funding that their $50,000 from the fucking city or whatever is a drop in the bucket. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's why like organizations are going to respond to the class basis that gives them like the class that gives them power and when you're funded by the rich you're going to be responsive to the rich and when you're funded by working and middle class people you're going to be responsive to us and like you should give your time to working in middle class organizations that are grassroots funded like people should give their money and their time and it's like it doesn't have to be to us because there's a lot of groups doing really important work and it's going to take a lot of us working at this from different angles to make it happen but at the end of the day, like people have to get involved. Like you can't outsource politics. You can't outsource community to community workers. Like you have to show up and pick up a shovel and spread wood chips. Like you, you can't have... just you can't just yell on Twitter. No, so you can... fix it. What? No, I was told that that's the height of leftism. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the revolution. Whoever has the most retweets. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I think... I don't know if you have anything you want to add. I feel like I'm talking a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, you got We got a whole lot to say. Um, I think it, for having the highball. <laughs> oh, well. Um, yeah, I'd say, like, a term that gets used a lot in Portland is, like, mutual aid. And the idea is it's, like, sharing and redistributing resources from people who have them to people in need, and ideally in ways that, like, resist the state. And that's, like, kind of what weird. Like, a lot of people give food, water, resources. There's really great networks here in Portland. And where we fit in is we, like, redistribute wealth and resources when people have it in order to get shelters out to folks and put them on public land. So, like, the way that we are supporting people is also directly contradicting, like, the city and the state and the capitalist model. And a great way to start, like Brian is saying, is to go and hand out food to your neighbors you know there's like people all up and down you can't go anywhere in Portland you can't go anywhere in the US at yeah this no point. getting off the exit of the 84 just on like whatever yeah. exit 10 whatever it was there's like that whole camp just in the freeway roundabout as you like circle on the way down to this fucking street yeah. yeah there's like and oh, then like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you take the 84 exit off 100 and like just on there's a lot the way here there's like a whole camp there mm -hmm. that it's like this is the kind of program that like that's public land and like what does that really mean it's fucking land that's just sitting there doing nothing and you could a grassroots group of people could go and give those folks structures, get them all in a nice row, could sponsor weekly cleanings, could sponsor needle pickups, could start getting social workers and addiction counselors and doctors out there like we're going to try to do next month. Like mm -hmm. this is like we have all the resources in our community to fix this problem. We don't mm -hmm. have to wait for the government. We don't have to wait for the pigs. We can fix these problems ourselves. We already have. We've deployed 13 shelters in the last six months. We built a community warming station with a 12-foot chimney. We've got weekly cleanings going to the point that, like, the trash piles that we post on Instagram are getting, like, they used to be, like, <laughs> mat, like large, like, they were, like, huge and super impressive. And now it's kind of like, I saw the wood from the other week, and it's like, is that all the trash we picked up? But I, like, called our volunteer. They're like, yeah, no, it's like, because we're doing it every week. It's just, like, better, and it's like, there's not as much. And it's like... They started moving down to some other camps because there just wasn't enough at the camp that we've been working with. Yeah. So now, the, like, the volunteers are going down the trail and helping all along there. Yeah. That's good. It's, it's, it's good it's to It's building hear you, power, and that's what you have to do. It's a long process. It's good to hear you guys are making progress because, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of trouble. And um, I know everyone wants something to change, and I don't think people really know what is necessary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the, the thing that I always think about is, like, 
if you if you try to put yourself in that position and who knows what horrible things could have happened to you to mm-hmm. get you to that point but the longer you live on the street and you're cold and you can't eat and you're just like trying to figure out what to do day to day like your your mental cognition is going to degrade over time yeah and so it's just like this downward spiral it's not like you can just be homeless for 2 years and then mm-hmm. somebody gives you a new pair of levis and a shower and there you got a job yeah. like right. it's it's trauma. It's a thing that you yeah. got to work through. And so yeah. it's so complicated because mm-hmm. you need, like you guys said, they need a place to stay and then they need a social worker to work with. And services. To and get probably through. a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so centralized location for everybody is not a solution. Putting groups of people in different areas could be a solution or is yeah. ideally the best way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think one thing that connects back to this is like, again, this idea of like, who are the houseless? And it's like, oh, they're kind of just this like faceless blob of people. And it's like, no, there's like a lot of different types of people. And one thing that I know I've learned from working at this camp is like, oh, like there's a whole community here. There's a lot of social dynamics. There's friends, there's lovers, there's enemies. Like that's part of why you can't just throw Like if you wanted help, would you want to just be thrown in a random locked facility away from all of your friends? Like, yeah. Not really, you know, and that's like part of the issues that we see with the city, even when they propose different things, like putting over $20 million into like overnight shelters. Like nobody wants to go to those. Mm -hmm. They're really scary. They're really abusive. And you don't know anybody and you can't like you have to leave all of your friends and community you have to Behind. leave your pets. If you have pets on the street, you can't bring your pets to the shelter. Yeah. If you have like, there are women's only shelters where people will be separated from their kids. If their kid's a boy, it's like you can't stay here with your children. It's like a women's only shelter. Like there are so many requirements that, and like so much red tape that go into so many of these like specific grants. And that's part of the nonprofit industrial complex's strategy is it divides what's a universal, integrated, intersectional struggle into these fucking different component parts. And it tries to act like, oh, well, no, like women's homelessness is a different issue. And like black homelessness is a different issue. And like homelessness is different than addiction. And the truth is that like all of these things are an integrated fucking problem that all intersect with each other. And like we rather than like specified grants that are trying to control quality by limiting possibilities like what we really need are more general grants that allow people the creative flexibility to meet their communities where they're at mm-hmm. we need a lot more small pilot programs than we do these big massive fucking we're going to jump 42 million dollars into this fucking fund You know what I mean? It's like we need a lot more disbursement. We need community solutions. And we really need to decentralize the funding mechanisms of all of these programs. Is the city of Portland capable of helping with this? Or to me, it seems like the legislative process is so exhausting (laughs) Mm -hmm. and like meant to not work. Work. Yeah. No, yeah. No, the city. And like, so it's important to remember that before, like, this is a really nuanced question. The city is not a monolith, right? Like, are the five clowns on our city council going to be helpful? Like, probably not. Is our fucking clown of a police chief going to be helpful? Absolutely not. Like, but are there good bureaucrats, decent bureaucracies, and people trying within the system to do the right thing? A hundred percent. And are there levers of government? Like, because the government's not one fucking lever at the top. Like, it's so Byzantine and bureaucratic and red tapey that there's a 
thousand little fucking levers of power with a thousand little bureaucrats. And those bureaucrats can be little Eichmanns helping promote fascism and hurt people, or they can like pull those levers for good when they can and slip people through loopholes and help grassroots groups. And I've seen them do it. So it's like it takes everybody looking creatively within their realm and like so no the city is probably not gonna help but like city employees can be helpful that's that's the question betray your bosses betray your masters help us out (laughs) burn it down burn it that that's the question that's the question i don't know if the system allows change and progress like if you even got the the most ideal person into those positions i don't know that they could get anything done there's too many checks and balances, yeah. which some could argue is a good thing. So you don't just like fucking turn it into Vegas or something. Mm-hmm. But then also like nothing ever gets done. Mm-hmm. It's so depressing. Yeah. Nothing ever happens. Yeah. Well, it's like, then that's like this. See, the truth is like, even as you say that, it's like things happen. But the real question is things for which like anytime, like one of the things that my boy Lennon says is like, anytime you're talking about like politics it's like or like rights under capitalist democracy he's like you know like we you know whenever they start talking about fucking freedoms like freedom of the press free speech it's like you should always ask yourself like freedom for which class and when you're saying like nothing ever happens it's like yeah nothing happens for our class Mm. a lot of things happen for the landlords and developers they just got a big fucking Mm. handout to redevelop downtown the Portland police they just got six million dollars to increase sweeps they got five hundred thousand dollars to put barred benches in Laurelhurst so homeless people can't lie all the way down on them Mm. things Mm. happen for the ruling class all the time Things just don't happen for our class. And it's like this government, like one of our mission, like our mission statement and principles are on our um, website. But like one of the things that we believe is like every government is a class government and it is by and for the ruling class of its era. Like it's not an accident. There are any fucking homeless people on the Portland City Council. It's not an accident. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not an accident that on yeah. like the ec- the medical like equity boards, like they're all like, you know, they have black and brown MDs and PhDs and psych Ds and, and JDs and Esquires, but they don't have any like homeless people mm-hmm. on these mm-hmm. equity boards. So like equity and mo- like because we live in a capitalist society and we have a capitalist government that is by and for like the capital holders and the wealthy equity to them is only ever going to be equity for the holders of capital equities equity for the wealthy and so like when like things don't happen things happen for the rich all the time man they just don't happen for fucking us <laughs> right i and hear like, you yeah that to say like yeah the city and you know capitalist everything brian said like it's for profit and like that's where ad is like some of the things that we need to do are not profitable immediately mm-hmm. and that's like business 101 you know is like cut your expenses maximize your profits and like that's not going to work for houselessness this is a long-term process that's going to require a lot of investment and over time you will it's really expensive to keep people houseless like the tents that they throw at people that they throw out like there's a lot amount of waste mm-hmm. um but like structurally like the point of the government is yeah to run like a business cut as much as it can and make as much money as mm-hmm. possible And so I think that's where we as community members come in is like, we don't have to wait for the city government. And at this point, I feel like everybody is pretty clear that they're just not going to do it. If at this point. Yeah, but the city is in charge of determining what is legal and what is not legal. Sure. But like what is legal is not always what is moral and right. Okay. But so explain this to me. Why 
Why is there – I should have silenced that a long time ago. You're fine. Why is there the issue we have here mm-hmm. and the issue they have in Seattle and the issue they have in LA and the issue they have in San Francisco, not the issue they have in Austin or New York City or Raleigh or Atlanta? They're, what do you mean? Unless, unless I'm completely wrong, you can tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, because New York City has got one of the highest rates of homeless people in the, in the country. Higher than any of the West Coast cities? Yeah. Really? Yeah, there's yeah, okay. New York, yeah, New York and Philly. Yeah. Have you ever seen videos of Kensington Avenue? Jamie, In pull Philly? That, Jamie, pull that up. Uh, yeah. Like No, I've seen that video. Yeah, That's bad. Yeah. And it's like and it's not just that video. It's like a whole meme of people just drive up and down Kensington and they film yeah. like people who are so doped up or dope sick that they're mm-hmm. like swaying on the streets or lying mm-hmm. on the ground and it's True, like the human catastrophe of it is truly horrifying when you see mm-hmm. it. And it's underreported. Is a, underreported. And the problem, like it is a problem in every capitalist city. It is worse in LA and like uh, the Bay Area, where it's again kind of like places where you can live outdoors more easily. Okay. Like than it is in like Maine or Chicago. But it's like there is a huge homeless population in Chicago too. They're just driven inside by the weather. Okay. And to Add to that, I just had an in. I talked with this woman who lives in Bentonville, uh, Arkansas, which is where Walmart, coming all the way back, is centered. Speaking of you, business daddy. Speaking of you. Um, and she, we like met on the street canvassing. She was just visiting Portland. She's like, hey, I'd love to hit you up. So we got on a call. We talked to her. And she was like, yeah, you know, I thought that homelessness was like really, really bad everywhere else because I don't really see it in Bentonville. And then I started realizing that like, it is illegal to be homeless in Bentonville and in Arkansas. And like, if people are seen being houseless, they will be arrested. So a lot of it is like Portland doesn't, Portland's very violent in a lot of ways. It's not illegal to be out and houseless. Like what's happening is because it is so, you will get arrested and killed in other places more so. Like people either are in hiding where they're at or they do come here where they're not going to be well, that, as that's, persecuted. That's what I was getting at. And I'm not saying anything is right or wrong or whatever. Right. I'm just trying to figure out why. Because every we live in a country where there's 50 different states and 50 different mm-hmm. rules, mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of different rules. Each state mm-hmm. is kind of like their own country. Mm-hmm. And in Oregon and in Portland, the rules for camping in a tent on the side of the freeway are different than they are in Topeka, Kansas. Mm -hmm. And so does that have an effect? I think that's what you were saying. Does that have an effect on people coming to be homeless in Portland versus Kansas or Bentonville or wherever? Sure. That is possible. I think there's like, you know, like everything, it's like dialectic. Like there's truth in it and there's falsity in it. The reality is like people like to think that there's a whole bunch of being shipped into Portland. We don't have any numbers. Like there's no tracking of anything whatsoever, you know, like who's Why coming in. Why can't they track it? See, there's a lot of, like all of the practical problems that go into tracking houselessness apply twice as hard when you're tracking transient houses, people who come right. in. So like they have this thing called the point in time count. And this is like the primary, like the primary and official way that you fucking track houseless people and their population is through this thing called the point in time count where they have volunteers and people go out and it's like, one day for like eight hours and they like go around and try to talk to as many people as they can. And like in places where they're doing it really well, it's like two or three days. And the truth is like, 
It's once a year they go and they take a count. That's why it's called the point in time count, because at this point in time, <laughs> we can find yeah. this many homeless people. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. not including living in cars, not including or living in cars or like living. Yeah. Or like it's living a, on a couch somewhere. You know what I mean? Living in a garage mm-hmm. like these are all like not like in a place, but not on a lease, like all of the technically homeless, like. The point in time count underrepresents actual houses numbers by anywhere from fucking 50 to 66%. And like anytime you hear a number like four or 5,000, the actual number is probably more like 10 or 15. 50%? Yeah. Inaccurate. Yeah. At least under count, under report, not inaccurate. Like, 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 oh, it might be 50% over. Like it is, they are under reporting the number of people by anywhere from fucking 33 to 50%. Mm-hmm. Like anytime you hear a fucking point in time count number, it's at least a fucking quarter third higher than that and probably mm-hmm. higher. Wow. Yeah. It's- and it's really hard to track because it's like these are people who move like we're trying like in we have a camp that we're working with and like one person there has a functioning cell phone. So we can like and a lot of times our strategy of like we need to go talk to Tisha or we need to go talk to Robert or like the other homies there is like you show up at the camp and you see if they're there. And if they're there, you get to talk to them and have the conversation of the meeting you want to have. And if they're not, then like, you try again another day. It's like the 90s, man. It's like the 90s, <laughs> only they don't even have a landline, bro. Like, yeah, dude. It's like the 90s, only worse. Yeah. I'll meet, and, you, and, I'll meet you at the pizza restaurant yeah, at yeah, 3 right. o'clock. Yeah, dude. There's not even dial-up internet that they're fucking checking, you know? It's yeah. like you just kind of show up to the camp and you hope that they're there. So it's like – and those are people that we have relationships with that we, like, go and clean their camp every week and fucking know them. And they're hard for us to get a hold of. So like our city government and like a bunch of bureaucrats trying in one day to count how many homeless people there are. Like, mm-hmm. come on, like how, mm-hmm. like when you actually think about how it works, like, come on, how could they possibly have a fucking accurate number? Yeah. Well, and then you probably have people that don't want to be counted and don't, don't want to be counted yeah, just like, and also don't, dude, don't. People doing the census for the federal government get yeah. yelled at and have things thrown at them by yeah. like people in homes. Can you imagine how point in time counters get treated by some of those folks out there? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So make it, make it more personal. Why you guys are out there talking to these people one-on-one. What is, what, what, what is, where does it start? Why are, why are these people ending up out there? Do they have parents that abuse them? Do they have like some sort of traumatic episode when they were a child? Like why, what's happening that's allowing them to get there? Well, there's no one story. Do you want to talk about like one of the homies that we met the other day, like the homie you met on the street the other day who gave that interview about like how oh, he ended up wow. on the street? Because yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of, and it's like, I don't, at the, like we don't want to speak for people on the streets and it's like there are mm-hmm. a lot of different reasons but mm-hmm. like for like we met this is part of why like we go hit the streets like the and we do face-to-face fundraising and outreach three to four days two to three days a week um two to four days a week doesn't matter um and part of the plan is to like keep it in the streets and be talking to members of the general public one for fundraising two for education but three just for basic outreach so you can like communicate the existence of the organization and like our mission and our goals to people and like you also meet fucking you never know who you're gonna fucking run into and so like Mm -hmm. on the same day that we ran into one of the county commissioners who gave 25 bucks anonymously um which is cool. Like, it's like the city council, but like for the county level, she's dope. Um, and I can say she because all five of them are women. <laughs> nice. um, but like, we also run into houseless folks 
Yes, we met this dude who's so sweet. Um, he has been houseless for about like a month, a month and a half. And it was because his apartment complex decided to evict everybody all at once in order to flip the house to jack up the prices. And he is like, I don't have proof of this, but like, you know, I'm pretty sure that they're like slipping money to the inspector be like, oh yeah, this is messed up. That's messed up. This is bad. You have to like get rid of everybody. So there were like 91 units and everybody got thrown out of their homes. With 30 days notice, it's like later figured out. It was like yep. 30 to 90 day notice, but either way, it's like he ended up losing his employment because of that. He lost his supports, like 90 days all of a sudden to lose everything during a pandemic, during a housing crisis, during like so, low wages. When so many people were already unemployed because of the pandemic or in mm-hmm. debt and struggling from it. And mm-hmm. mental health rates are through the roof too. Mm-hmm. And so now he's like, yeah, I've just, I'm homeless now. Like I've lost everything because he was just thrown out. So you have like people like that where they are priced out. This is like especially true for like black Portlanders who have been like especially targeted for decades here in Portland. Like it's the same process that's now hitting everybody else. So you have people who are priced out of their homes who are now homeless and they lose their supports, their jobs, everything. Mm -hmm. You have people who have, there's one person who's around the camp who aged out of foster care and at a certain age, you can't be a foster kid anymore. It's yeah, like when you turn 18, they throw you out. You're done. That's it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he was in foster care, turned 18, kicked him out. He's still on the streets. Mm-hmm. You have people who have like dealt with, you know, schizoaffective disorders and other, you know, more severe mental health. That's one side. You have people who go down addiction, like get struggle with addiction. That's another. You have, like I said, homeless, like queer and trans youth who get thrown out by their families as like, I'm going to do a talk about Sylvia Rivera later today. And she had to leave home at 10 years old. And this is like in the 60s, but still like this continues to happen that there are like 10-year-old trans girls mm-hmm. who are thrown out of their homes. Mm-hmm. So there's, a there's yeah, this is part of why, you know, we say like houselessness isn't a monolith. There's so many different reasons, which also means there's so many different things we have to consider when we want to like help people get from where they are to like a better, healthier place. Mm-hmm. And the city's approach is often just like throw the same thing at everybody, not accounting for all of these differences. What's going to get me elected next cycle? Yeah, exactly. Right. So the thing that I think about is when you have these conversations with these people, are they are they upset that they are in that predicament and do they feel – guilt or shame that people look at them and they think they're a piece of shit? Like, what do they feel? Are they, you know what I mean? Like, what is what is their general disposition? Are they just, I mean, that just seems like it would sink you down, you know? Most of the homies are trying to survive. Like, if I had to be honest, it's like when you're, you think about like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like shelter and food comes long before self-actualization or self-conception. And a lot of the homies out there are kind of just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. Some of them, I like that. There's a guy who was around the camp for a little bit who like I... He was like crying about like how sad and guilty he felt because he was like too fucked up on heroin and like wanted to get sober so he could see his kids. And you Mm -hmm. could tell that like how much – he was like a young Troy or something like that. I forget his name now. It started with a T. Um, But he's only around the camp for a little bit. But it's like he told us the story and it's like it's – it's really sad to see somebody who is clearly both like – 
addicted, but also like very genuinely like would like to be better, but just mm -hmm. is not. Yeah. So like, I know some people feel that guilt. I also know other people feel rage. Like fucking, we have a video from a native dude who's out there named Furman who talked about like how this is fucking Ted Wheeler's fault. And like, these are war crimes that they commit against people because there isn't enough affordable housing for people. Mm -hmm. So some folks are like aware of the systemic problems that help put them there. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And it's just like, it's just like we were saying, it's like, it's not, folks are not a monolith and people are at diff, people on the streets are at different levels of functionality. And some yeah. folks are like, really hard up and going to need a lot of care. And some people are kind of like what you could call the temporarily unhoused working class who will be back on their feet at some point, whether anybody intervenes or not. Yeah. There are some people who if they got more intervention, they'd be back on their feet. And there's some people who like, you probably going to have to maybe hospitalize to get them to get the care that they need. And even then they might fight you and not want it. And it's kind of like, there's only so much you can do. There's only so much you can do, you know? And, but we, right now the problem is we don't have enough resources for the people who need them, let well, alone trying to get them to people who don't even fucking want them. Well, and is it dangerous when you guys go out there? Do you ever worry about, no, you don't no, worry about. I'm, I'm more, I would tell you, man, I'm a thousand times more afraid of the fucking pigs than I am of the houseless people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the average, yeah. the average cop is, but, the average cop is a hundred times more likely to kill you than the average houseless person. Okay. Maybe not you, but. <laughs> but I mean, if we want to talk about cops uh, or Portland police specifically. Pigs. Yeah. You can call them pigs. I won't judge you. There are good people everywhere. Mm -hmm. There are good people. Sure. At Walmart. There are good people at Fred Meyer. There's no there good. There's good people at Fred Meyer. There's no good people in the Fred Meyer boardroom. <laughs> there's good okay. people at Walmart. Okay. There's no good people but, in the Walmart boardroom. But there's good cops. <laughs> to be honest, like, and this is something that is true. So there are for however long they last on the police force, there are usually temporarily good cops on any police force. Uh -huh. The reason why all cops are bastards is because there are structural incentives there to create that. Like how many times do you see reports of whistleblower cops getting fired? Whistleblower cops suing the city because this happens every single day. Like good cops, like there are good cops for like maybe six months to a couple years at maximum because the people who are good on that force who try to make changes are forced off by the shitheads who are there who are part of an entrenched command structure that is historical and gen historically and generationally tied into white supremacy God. especially in Oregon where we elected a clan governor in the 1920s so like let's not sit here and pretend that like the and again this goes back to it's like yeah there are there good cops in like their first six months to two years probably sure yeah are there any good cops are there any good police chiefs in this entire fucking country well that's a bummer because the point of the police is to protect you and that's not the point of the police the well, point of I the mean, police is to protect property well ideally and, if they, and any protection they do of you is incidental hmm. I mean same thing with the fire department you you have these these um these structures and these institutions that you mm -hmm. pay for with your tax money sure. that you hope will help you. Sure, but look we at the help. Yeah, but look at the historical lineage of the fire department, right? Like this, these are in, these are innovations in urban areas that suffer from major fire, and they're there to protect like 
They're there to indirectly protect life. The point of like all of the police forces, they're not founded to stop crime. They're founded as slave patrols. Okay. They're founded as independent posses. Like the first gun control laws in this country were in the colonies in Georgia because after the Stono Revolt where black slaves led a rebellion while white slave owners were at church, the first law in this gun country controlling guns was every white adult male in Georgia had to bring their fucking gun to church in case the slaves tried another uprising. And that's from 1738. Like white po like police are all formed and evolve out of slave patrols and slave posses. They do not exist to protect people. Okay, so And the sooner we can move away from that fantasy, the better off we're all going to be. Okay, so what if what if They're, every police officer in the Portland police was black? Would that be helpful? I mean, no. Like, you look at what happens, like, not all black people are a monolith. Like, you can put, and this is what it comes down to equity and class position, right? It's like you can put black faces on a boardroom. You can put black faces in a boardroom, and who, what is the purpose of the boardroom? It's to defend the capital of the business. What is the purpose of a police force? It's to defend private property. It's the reason the police show up to protect. Like the police will show up in five minutes for a bank robbery. If your house gets robbed, they'll show up maybe a couple hours later. They'll take some notes and the majority of crimes are not solved. Yeah. The majority of murders in this country are not solved. Mm -hmm. If you kill a cop, your murder's like the person, somebody who kills a cop, that case is a hundred times more likely to be solved than if an average person is killed. And it's a thousand times more likely than if a sex worker's killed. Like the police, like as an institution, they don't enforce the law on a neutral basis. They enforce the law on a class basis. And I think that's part of where we're at is like, and especially the uprising is like, we're really questioning all these systems. Like, okay, we've been told that the police do this, but like. Do they really? We've mm -hmm. been told like a lot of things. You know, this is the way just things have to be, you know, and we've seen like people have protested the police like since slavery through Martin Luther King Jr. through to today. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like when we're talking about policing, it's like I do think that we need like some type of security to go around. But that's not we have a system. We're talking about incentives like your incentive to behave is just like punishment, you know, and it's like we... The I agree. There, there are certain sentences for certain crimes, like mm -hmm. having a bag of weed, yep. where people go away for five years, and that's yeah. insane. And they yeah. used, to, yeah, they used to. And it's like you, it's all like, why are those laws primarily enforced against people of color? You know what I mean? And the more you start to look at like the historical role of the police, you realize mm -hmm. these things aren't an accident. Mm -hmm. And you talk about like the war on drugs itself, right? Like, where's that, John? This is a great quote because this is from Nixon. This is John Erlinger. And this is like one of Nixon's uh, advisors during the war on drugs who talked about the reason that they did the war. Didn't it start with Reagan? Nope. The war on drugs. Nope. The war on drugs began in 1973. It was escalated under Ronald Reagan, but it was really started in the Nixon administration. Huh, I didn't know that. And the quote, yeah, they don't like to advertise that. This country, <laughs> li white liberals like to, like the liberal class likes to blame Ronald Reagan and act like mm -hmm. this whole country was fucking going great until Ronald Reagan right, took over. Yeah. And the fact that Lyndon, like they ignore the fact that Lyndon Johnson, who like, oh, Lyndon Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act. He also said, he's like also on record as saying like, the problem with the N-words getting uppity today is they have the power to back their uppityness up. 
Like that's an actual quote. That's Lyndon Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, dude. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So this is John Ehrlichman, who was Nixon's policy advisor. He said, "We mm. knew it. We couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black, but by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and the blacks with heroin, and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs?" Of course we did. And he said that he gave that quote in the early 90s, like after it's not going to hurt his political career. But it's Mm -hmm. like the truth, like that's the fucking truth. That's what the war on drugs is for. That's what the pigs are for. Like Mm. the FBI shot a 21 year old to death in his bed in 1969. Like they murdered Fred Hampton in his sleep because he was the head of the like Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party and they didn't like his politics. So they paid an informant to drug him and then they murdered him in his sleep. And yep. these are and though that same FBI, they have a building named after J. Edgar Hoover, the guy who ordered that murder of an American citizen. Yeah. This is not a good government. These are not good people. These institutions cannot be reformed. They have to be re- torn down and built anew. Yeah, it's really um, frustrating and disappointing because I think there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that no matter how much you read or no matter how much you know, even if you're even if you're the president, like there's stuff that you're not being told and that there's certain, it's like a, like a magician sleight of hand. Mm-hmm. Look over there while I switch yeah. the card around. Like there's so much stuff that we don't understand and yep. can't come out for 30, 40, 50, 100 years because- It's classified. Well, it's just- It's classified. The fact that we're spying on you is classified. The fact that we're murdering black leaders in their homes is classified. All this is for national security, man. And people will trade freedom for security when their government makes them afraid. And that is a big problem. Most people don't want to know. I don't know that that's true. I don't think they do. Most people just want to have two kids, take them to soccer practice, go to work at the, uh, the old cubicle, come home, make some dinner. Watch some American Idol, go to bed. That's what most people want to do. I think when you're taught to want that, 100%. I think most people do that because that's all that they can see is the horizon of their possibilities. Mm -hmm. I think if people saw different horizons for themselves and different possibilities, I, I think that people are greatly influenced by the potential that their society gives them. Yeah, I think... What we're touching on is like people want a sense of like security and stability, mm-hmm. you know, true. like whether it's a cubicle, whether it's whatever, like people want to feel secure and stable. And that's like why we're in such a crisis now is a lot of people feel like the world is unstable and it's insecure. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's easy to blame homeless people because that's the most visible version of instability and why we really like to believe that it is the police who can help because that's the narrative that we've been told. And really what we need to think about is like, okay, like how there's a lot of ways to recreate stability. And it's like the reality is like sweeping people we know is not going to help. But like making these camps functional, giving people mental health support, reinvesting like New Deal-esque policies where we put those $25,000 sign-on bonuses into social workers, mm-hmm. and into infrastructure, into things we need. Like we can create everything that we need right here in Portland. That's right. You know, and like we, the sense of security that we get from the police is just, it's an illusion Mm because it's like missing the reality of all of, like you're saying, all of these structures underneath. And that's the point of our project is to show people that like, there's a way, like everything's really scary and everything's really hard. And it seems like the fucking politicians and the police are not helping. Mm -hmm. And it's really confusing and scary. 
here's a place where you can come to or like you can help make a difference in your community right here, right now. Yeah. We can't deal with the world. We can't deal with everything mm-hmm. at once. We can deal with right here. And it starts yeah. with help us put up a shelter for someone in need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I feel like I feel like we need the police. I feel like we need a better system for recruiting them and training them because there's not a lot of trust for them right now, which is difficult for them. Can you imagine being a police officer right now? Say you with all that you know, Mm -hmm. or you with all that you know and the compassion you have for human beings. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine being a police officer right now? No, I can't. Awful. No, no person in their right mind wants to be a police officer right now. Yeah, I agree. So what does that tell you about the ones who still are? Well, okay. <laughs> That's a yeah. decent argument right yeah, there. Yeah, man. So it's like- That's and I a agree. decent argument. Well, yeah. And it's but like, what so, I'm cause saying what, is- Because what you're really speaking to is like, we do need to pe- Like there are certain functions that the police perform. Things mm-hmm. like personal safety, things mm-hmm. like traffic safety, like mm-hmm. things like, you know, that are- or, they, or that they're supposed to perform, right? But generally do not. Things like rape and violence prevention, right? Like there are- what you could call community safety functions that the police are supposed to perform. And it would be, we need institutions and people to perform those functions, right? So like, rather than having an unelected police force that is not composed of the, like part of the problem is like, when you're talking about what people want is people don't want to take responsibility for their own personal safety. They want to outsource their safety to the safety specialists. And like, what that means is like, sometimes in order to keep yourself safe, you might have to do some violence in your own self-defense and like people are afraid of that and they're afraid that they're not going to do it and under capitalism like you don't fix your own toilet you call the toilet specialist you don't fix your own car you call the car specialist you don't like book like you know you don't fly your own plane you have the fucking plane specialist and like you don't do your own violence you call the violence specialists and we need our violence special. We need everybody to become more generally physically capable, invested in their own self-defense. And we also need the kind of community investment that prevents crime preemptively. Exactly. Why do people steal catalytic converters? Exactly. It's because $600 is a lot of money. Yes. And why is like... Why are people risking five years of jail time to make $600? That's how fucking desperate they are. Like, Mm -hmm. we had porta potties set up for the houseless Mm -hmm. camp, and somebody started living in one. And that's Mm -hmm. why we don't have porta potties anymore, because somebody started living in one, and there was no way to keep one unlocked and not have a houseless person live in them. And you know what that really means? It means, like, somebody walked by Cody and looked at that handicap accessible porta potty and thought, man, this is a fucking step up from where I am right now. Yeah. It's big. It's got a door that locks. It'll keep the rain out. It doesn't have any holes in it. It may smell like shit, but where I am smells like shit. Mm-hmm. So like the kind of people who are stealing catalytic converters or who are like racing up and down the street, it's like, how come like we have a Portland raceway right there that we don't have open to the public. And then we cry about fucking, oh, those hoodlums in their race cars on the street. It's like, cool, dude, give them somewhere to like, if that raceway was open 24 hours a day and you guys, they could just take their cars over there. I would also be like, yeah, why are they racing in the street when they have somewhere to be, (laughs) you know, but they don't have anywhere. It's like, why are the kids skating in the fuck? Like, why did they build skate parks in the nineties and the two thousands? Because it's like, Hey, if you give 
give the kids somewhere to skate, they'll fucking go skate there. And they won't be running into old ladies on the sidewalk in downtown and like grinding on the fucking rails of the public buildings. If you give them somewhere to be, they will. And as a civilization, we need to do that. And like when it comes to the police, people need to be invested in their own safety. We need community safety patrols of us as neighbors going around and checking in with people so we can plug them into those kind of services. Because the point of real community safety, like we, one of the slogans on this, like on the protest scene is we keep us safe. Like the police don't keep us safe. We keep us safe. Like we're the ones who go out and de-escalate our neighbors. We're the ones who get people plugged into services. The fucking pigs don't do that. We take care of each other. Well, I think you hit on it a second ago. You got to go back six steps. Mm -hmm. If you Mm -hmm. create people who are compassionate and kind and caring, there is no stealing of $600 catalytic converters. There's no reason for the police. Mm -hmm. So it's Mm -hmm. correct. It's difficult because we're already here. Yep. And we have to like work backwards a bunch. But I, I hear what you're saying. And I don't think to kind of like start to wrap it up a little bit. Like, I don't think the people in those environments want to be there. I don't think anyone else wants them to be there. Mm-hmm. If you have a society of people, of humans who are working together and and making money or helping out in the community or doing whatever as a group, and there's nobody draining anything on anybody, everybody's just doing everything together. And yeah. so that seems to be the goal yeah. is to figure out a way to help those people who are disenfranchised or, or have fallen down on their luck or whatever, to mm-hmm. give them an opportunity yep. to do something that they can be proud of. Then we're all just like hanging out. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like, and accepting everybody for where, meeting people where they're at. Like mm-hmm. there's a very famous quote from like the acts of the gospel or the acts of Luke that's like from each according to their ability to each according to their need, right? And the whole idea is that like when you have a truly equal society, when you've really built the kingdom of God on earth, like the only real law of your society is that everybody works and gives according to their ability and everybody takes and receives Mm -hmm. according to their need. And the more like, because there are people on the street who can do more than they're doing. And there are some people on the street, man, who kind of can't maybe do a whole lot more than what they're already doing. And it's like enough to keep them alive. And we got to, I want to create the kind of world where those people don't have to be fucking productive in Mm -hmm. order to like, have food and shelter and health care. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. What I was trying, to, what I was trying to get to, and I yeah. couldn't, I couldn't quite find it in yeah. that in that sense. Is if what you tell me is that I have to sacrifice an extra mm-hmm. twenty five dollars of my paycheck, and that's what everybody gives, yeah, to allow there to be money to help these people that no one wants on the side of the fucking freeway. Yeah, are you fucking kidding me? You're going to be so upset about giving. I'm, I'm a regular person yeah. who has a job who would be more than happy to help out yeah. any institution. If mm-hmm. that cleans up mm-hmm. the freeways and helps those people get mental help, mm-hmm. that's good for everybody. Yeah. Why the fuck yeah. would you not want that to happen? Yeah, right? There's 2.2 million people in the Portland metro. Like everybody gave 10 bucks. 
$22 million. Like we could buy apartment complexes and house people for years with that yeah. money. Yeah. It's insane. When you break yeah. it down, it's like, mm -hmm. we have a lot of, are we yeah. doing? Yeah. A lot of power just in the people, you know, and that's why we don't like to try and beg the city or the rich people for money. Like we know that we've got enough of our own resources and we know that the power is like with the people because yep. the people want to take care of the community. The rich want their profit, yep. right? And this is like exactly what you're saying. Like we, why we do grassroots is we believe that there are so many good people who want mm -hmm. to make a better world and with a little bit of guidance and direction education, like they will be able to do that. Yeah. And there's power anywhere there's people. Like we get trained by capitalist society to like, oh, you have to wait for the government. Oh, you have to wait for the specialists. Oh, you have to wait for the experts. But it's like. The truth is you don't. Like there's power anywhere that there are people. Like we've raised almost $30,000 in six months and we've dropped 13 of these shelters. Like you people can do this without having to wait. And that's like one of the goals of this is to like create direct practical action that is a challenge to the city that provides help and gives people a way to get engaged because that's what most of us want. Like just like your people are desperate for a solution, man. Mm -hmm. Like no, like the vast majority of people do not want this situation to be the way it is. And like we have solutions. We just have and we have good people, we have spineless politicians. And at the end of the day, like one of the core beliefs of my political and spiritual philosophy is that like people have the power to get their shit together enough to fix their own society. Like there are no, like when we took power from the king, it was like, okay, you take all the rights and all the responsibilities of the king. Like we have all the freedoms and all the privileges, but now we have all the responsibilities of like being a citizen of a republic. It doesn't just come with rights and freedoms. It comes with duties mm -hmm. to the republic and to the to civilization and to your fellow human beings. And like, we're just trying to put that into action on a day-to-day -day basis and build power. Cause yeah, one day we would like to have full buildings of folks and we don't well, have if, to wait. But if you guys ever make it there, then you don't have jobs anymore. Yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> Trust me, man. Trust me, man. My highest ambition is to achieve a communist revolution. I'm going to get high and play video games. And when people go, I don't have anywhere to stay. I'm like, cool. Did you call the housing commissariat? Like we fought a whole revolution and took all that property from those landlords. So you would have somewhere to stay. They're going to be like, I'm hungry. I'm going to be like, cool. Call the food commissariat. They're going to go, I'm yeah. sick. I'm like, cool. Call the healthcare commissariat. Cause I helped lead a revolution and now I want to get high and play video games. Mm -hmm. And I don't. All I want to do is show up on Zoom calls and talk about how shitty capitalism was and how great things are now. And someone else can, you can, like, I just want to build a society where everybody has the freedom to figure their shit out. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you don't have your shit figured out, it's not because the world didn't give you enough to make it. It's because you just kind of didn't want to do that. And that's fine. Yeah. That's your, people should have the freedom to fail. People should have the freedom to fuck up. People should have the freedom to embrace and use and create all the beauty in their life and they should have the freedom to fucking waste it if that's what they want to do because sure. that's what radical freedom really is sure yeah there's a certain amount of freedom involved but there's also a certain amount of um dedication mm -hmm. and sacrifice because until we figure something out no one knows mm -hmm. what we're doing or why we're here or why we got here and just fighting people and killing people is not the solution. It could be a lot better. Yeah. could be a lot better. Uh, well, I think that's a good spot. Um, do you guys want to wrap it up in any way? I mean, we'll put in the links for everything. Um, is there any important thing you want to say at the end? 
want to do yeah um yeah well i just want like i want to say thank you for fucking hosting mm-hmm. us like this has been a really great Absolutely. opportunity and i really appreciate this conversation Absolutely. and like all of the questions you've had yeah. um i guess like to the people watching who are interested for ways to help out like i guess really the only thing to say is like if you are interested in helping the people's housing project um like I said, we're entirely grassroots funded. We don't take any corporate or government money. Um, the best way to help out is to sign up through our Patreon, which will be in the um, in the uh, the video description. Well, yeah, we'll put it down there. Yeah, and, uh, the Patreon, which is basically pitching in something small once a month, like on an ongoing basis, because we do ongoing projects. We have weekly cleanings, we have the monthly build deployments, we do educational events, and we take time out of the workday to come and do these kind of educational events as well. So if you want to see this work continue, you can sign up through the Patreon. You can also make one-time donations through our GoFundMe or our Venmo. Um, honestly, either way is great. We just need people to give as much as they can in whatever way is best for you. Um, if you don't have money to give or would like to do more than just giving money, come volunteer. We do weekly cleanings up at Jason Barnes Landing. We do monthly builds. You can sign up uh, for those events on our meetup which will be in the event description as well. And at the end of the day, like we don't, the People's Housing Project only has power because people invest their time and money in us. Like the party doesn't have any power in the final, like, and we don't make a revolution in the final analysis. Like the people are the ones who make the revolution. Very cool. I appreciate it. I think uh, there's some good things that can happen. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Cool.